Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. All right, everybody. I want to welcome Dr. Nathan Jergensen to the podcast this week. Nathan is a... Second generation dentist, is that true, Nathan? Second generation? Yeah. Or like great grandparents and Civil War grandparents that we're, I'm not aware of? I'm not aware of them either. Okay. So, all right. Uh, second generation dentist in Hemet, California, which is uh, just north of Temecula, California. Not in the most beautiful part of California in the sense that it's not near the ocean necessarily, but it's in a, it's in the desert area of California. But I hear that's kind of wine country, isn't it? So wine country is in the Temecula area, but where I am is more of orange and grapefruit. Orange and grapefruit? Yeah. So we've got huge groves, plantation style, just miles and miles of orange citrus. Any type of citrus tree is out here. And like my parent, my dad is just down the road from me in his practice and then just down the road where we live. And his backyard is one of the commercial citrus groves. So how big and, is his backyard? Like 50 acres? Uh, no, his backyard is about an acre. But, but behind across the, Right. Across the street is like several thousand acres of citrus. I thought we were importing all our oranges and grapefruits from China. No, we're importing. So all of California, at least, the stuff that all the citrus comes from Florida. And this stuff goes to Japan. Oh, I got you. So why? So you're you're not even eating California citrus? No, it's too expensive. <laughs> but the Japanese can afford it. Basically, that's very interesting. So they make it maybe sushi, I think. Still, so Nathan. Well, I mean, when they pay fifty bucks for a square watermelon, sure. Square watermelon? Look it up. They literally grow watermelon to be in cubes. So that they can store it more efficiently in their tiny little homes. Um, look, oh my God. <laughs> They're $199. Yeah. Why do you think they buy California oranges and grapefruit? Holy smokes. Like, who in the right mind of the Japanese have gone crazy? <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I would just choose not to eat a watermelon, to be quite honest with you. They were invented by graphic designer Tomoyuki Ono in 1978. Wow, she received a patent for them. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. So they're grown nearby to you? No, they don't grow the watermelon here. We grow the citrus because they're willing to pay the price for the citrus 
because our labor expenses are so expensive in California. I got you. But we won't pay the labor for our own citrus, so we import them from Florida. Most everybody in the U.S. drinks Florida orange juice and eats Florida oranges. Yeah, I look, it doesn't make it. Apparently, I own an orange. No, my wife and I own an orange grove uh, down in uh, southwest Florida. I don't know much about it, but uh, whatever. <laughs> it really, my wife owns it, not me. But I'll, I'll take claim to it for today's conversation. <laughs> Good enough. So listen, how did you end up in Hemet, California? So the it was a longer path for me. I started out in dental school thinking I'd always be coming back to Hemet, but as an orthodontist. And, and why was like that? I went it because my dad's an orthodontist. Dad's and, an orthodontist. And I Did wanted to work with my dad. No, his favorite thing is to take out baby teeth. Like no joke, favorite thing is but to take out baby like teeth. But those like three seconds. Right, but he's not afraid of blood. He just likes ortho. And I grew up with this like romantic idea that I was going to follow my dad's footsteps and got into dental school, didn't even know what like an endodontist or a periodontist was. I thought there was a general dentist, an orthodontist, and an oral surgeon because those are the only ones that I ever knew about and because those are the only ones my dad ever talks to or talks about. And so then I get to dental school and decide that, you know, there's a whole lot more in dentistry than just fillings and move teeth and take out wisdom teeth. And I decided, you know, I actually really like all this other stuff, figured out what implants were, figured out about root canals, really enjoy both of those, really like any type of surgery. And so I stayed in general. I ended up doing an AGD residency at UCLA Strato School and got better at all these different things, learned a lot about treatment planning, and then ended up finding a job out in central Kansas little town called Great Bend that nobody's ever heard of. And I was there for just short of a year. The short of that one is that my boss and I didn't get along at all. And so he let me go. And the next day, a dentist here in town passed away. And my dad called me and said I should look at it. And so we came, I came back here, looked at that practice. It was a small, old backwards practice and then across the street was another small old backwards practice where that dentist wanted to retire and so I bought both of those practices merged them together and now I'm here we've we've moved from did you merge them together and keep one of the real estates or did you buy new real estate I kept one of the real estates they were both leases and they were both three operatory offices so they're way too small and when I moved the unit that I moved into, there was an oral surgeon who was two doors down in the same building, same landlord, who then moved out. He had built out a new office for himself, and the landlord offered that to me. And so we remodeled that. My dad and I remodeled that together. And so now I moved up from a three-operatory office to a four-operatory office. Oh, you're moving and, on up, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's huge. So what are you going to do when you run out of space with four operatories? Uh, Had patients walk two doors down to the three operatory practice. Basically, no. I I, three operatory practice. He let since it was the same landlord. He wanted to have this unit. He wanted me to be in this unit instead of that one. So he let me walk away from that lease. No, no, but come into this one. Into that? Not yet. It's open. He's trying to rent it out. And to another dentist. Uh, He was just telling me that it was another dentist that was looking at it, and I was thinking, well, okay, it's going to be another 
1970s era dentist who comes in. So Why do you say I'd that? be happy because that's all that tends to be in this area. The, the dentist that I would expect is going to be coming in here is going to be someone who is trying to retire and doesn't want to deal with any other. He doesn't want to have the high overhead of a larger office. And so he'll come in and, and do that and slowly die. All right, so that, you, that, that's what's happening with Dennis in this area. Nobody wants to come here. But it seems like you and your father and people are doing well there or can do well there. We can, but the mentality of a lot of the dentists in this area is still 1970s, 80s type of dentistry. I mean, nobody uses any type of ceramic restoration. It's all PFMs. PFMs. Uh, labs don't even make PFMs anymore. They cost oh, too that's much all, money for the labs to make. That's all anybody does out here. That's like literally all the people do. I dropped a lab because he said that EMAC, the lab that I started with, he said, oh, why are you doing EMAC? Those don't work. And I said, well, thank you for trying to get my business, but I don't do PFMs. So I do. Let me ask you this. Do you think lots of dentists your age think this way? Do they? Do a lot of the dentists your age think about going to what I call secondary or tertiary markets? Where they say, hey, I don't want to be in, I mean, Orange County is not a good example because I don't know why anybody would want to practice dentistry there necessarily. But like what we're seeing is most of the young guys or gals coming out of school don't want to practice 45 minutes, hour and a half, two hours outside of the city. They want to be in the city. But I think there's significantly more opportunity if you took a line and drew an hour, an hour and a half radius outside of a city, a major metro area, I think as long as you stay outside of that, you'll have a much better opportunity. Right. And I think that too, it was for me going out to central Kansas, that was very rural. Like the, we lived in the big city of central Kansas, which was 16,000 people. And it was the big city because it had the Walmart. Were you, were you purposefully going to something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I searched it out. I had five different offers coming out, coming out of residency, and that's the one that I decided to go to. So you wanted and to live in nowhere? I wanted to see what it was like because the guy that I went and worked for, he was telling me what his numbers were, and he obviously had enough room for me to go in and, and be part of his organization. And he was still growing. I mean, the guy had, and at the same time, he was a cash machine. And it was something that we had talked about my buying into after two years. And for better or for worse, that didn't work out, but it was a good business opportunity. And like, I'm a businessman before I'm a dentist. If there's an opportunity to make the money, I'm going to go do it. It was really hard on my wife because hmm, there we go. Yeah. And not, Every, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I get it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Like what our conversation was when I, when I was still in dental school was, Hey, you need to decide to, I, I would say to my wife, you need to decide where is it you're going to be comfortable living and I'll find a job there that's going to do well for us because my life doesn't change one way or the other. I'm going to be looking at a mouth that's pretty disgusting, whether I'm doing it in Southern California, Central Kansas, upstate New York or Hong Kong. It doesn't matter. They're going to be mouths with teeth or without teeth and I'm going to do something with that mouth. But her life is a whole lot different. And going out to Kansas, she was willing to do it. She went out there. She found friends eventually, but it was still really hard. Everybody where we were was related to each other. And like, <laughs> like, like, 
Not, no, I'm not talking related to each other as in like Mississippi, Alabama, redneck style, you marry your cousin. But what everybody would do there was like the guys would go to college and then find a wife and bring them back and start farming on the family homestead that they've had for seven generations. I got you. And so all of the women that my wife associated with literally relate were related to each other by marriage. And everybody was really excited that we were there because we brought new blood to the area. Like literally our kids were up for grabs once they got to high school. <laughs> nobody, awesome. nobody dated each other in their high school because they were all cousins. That's uh, amazing. Well, I think the message in this would be for me, I, although you didn't do it that great of a job selling it, but um, would be that dentists should look at going um, to smaller towns from a perspective of the opportunities that exist there to certainly, especially when people are complaining about the student loans and things like that. I think, you know, if they're willing to go hour, two hours, three hours even, or, you know, a, a slightly underserved area, they can knock out the student loans pretty quickly. So well, let's and ab- absolutely, absolutely. The, the guy that I was working for, he ended up buying a second practice out in the corner of Can- southwest corner of Kansas called Elkhart. And he would fly out there one day a week. He bought this practice for like 50 grand put another 50 grand into it to bring it up to so that it actually had something worth using. And he would come, I mean, he was just making money hand over fist because he was the only dentist for three counties. And it's something that it's there, but it's also a lifestyle that you've got to be willing to live. When When we were in Great Bend, we were two hours away from the nearest airport, which was in Wichita. And if we wanted to get anywhere else, we'd have to drive four hours. Like if we wanted to go to my if my wife wanted to go to Nordstrom to go shopping, we had to drive four hours into Kansas City. I go and, I do most of my shopping on Amazon.com, including my food and, and, and my clothes. <laughs> I do too, but not my wife. My wife actually likes to see people. That's a problem. Right. So if it's the lifestyle that you're willing to do, you're gonna make a whole lot of money. I mean the guy owned an airplane that that he just had fun flying out to or flying around with. He took his family to Disney World you know, four or five times a year and stayed for a week at a time. He had a great life. He had a whole lot of money, had a whole lot of influence in the town. And after a couple of years, it was a great life for him. But he did say it was hard adjusting at first. So if it's a life that you're willing to live and adjust to, you've got a great life going somewhere else. Now, at the same time, I'm not in the metro area, but I am outside of that. But in Southern California, I'm still in an area that is much more urban than farmland Kansas. In an hour, you can be in a major, major metro area. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists 
with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we can get anything we want here. Yeah, so I mean, that, I guess that's a different thing. So you bought two practices, you merged them together, you moved two doors down from three operatories to four operatories. How hard of a change was it for your patients to accept that you were doing things differently or offering something different to them? It's been a whole spectrum from this is awesome to why in the world are you even talking to me? I had one guy that walked in. And when my receptionist asked him to fill out his health history on the computer, he said, why do I need to fill that out? And she said, well, when the doctor comes in to do his exam, he needs to have your health history. And he says, well, I don't need an exam. All that I ever do is get my teeth cleaned and I never have anything wrong. So why does he need to look at me? And I just happened to be right there. And I said, well, sir, I need to do an exam. Otherwise, my license says I can't do that. And he says, OK, bye. And he walks out. <laughs> well, you can't win them all, can you? No, I can't. But at the same time, there was then the next guy that I got the one of the first things that I got was the Dexas carry view, which I love. It's a great thing. If you're looking for single tooth issues, or you're concerned about an individual tooth, you're not sure what's going on. I put it up on the screen so that my patient can see as I'm taking these pictures. And this one guy sits up and he says, that is so cool. I've never been so excited to have a cavity. <laughs> I got you. And so like I put computers in every operatory. These guys at least had digital x-rays. Granted, they were digital x-rays that hadn't been upgraded since about 2000. And so I've upgraded that. I now have computers in every so room. I have to, screens. you had to put a lot of investment into the practice. I, yeah, I've put well over 100 grand into this so office in the last nine months. Let me ask you this. Retrospectively, months. would you have think that you would have been off building from scratch? I don't know. It's a debate that I go back and forth with with myself where I think if I would have gone with, if I would have come right here and tried to build from scratch, no. But if I would have done the, like the breakaway thing, find a really good demographic place to go and just go on and kill it, I would have been, I think I would have been better. But I would have been in the same situation potentially where my wife doesn't have anybody around her. And I would have been having a great time in the office. I would have gone home and it would have been miserable at home. No, so I think- That's not worth it. No, it's not. And so I think this is, in, in retrospect, I think it could have worked out better either way. It just would have been a dependent on where would have I found those demographics to do a build out and a startup. All right. So l let me ask you this. Uh, how did you get into implants? It seems like you've mentioned it multiple times that it's something that you enjoy doing. I do. They're, they're great. I was, I was introduced to implants when I was in dental school. My, my dental school is Midwestern University in Glendale, Arizona. And like I placed two implants while I was still in dental school. And then I went to a residency specifically to expand the implant and associated surgical skills and came out of there with about 15 implants, which isn't a ton. But for my first year where I've got someone, you know, standing over me, it was pretty good to get all that education, got really comfortable with grafting and 
part of going out to Kansas, the guy bought an implant system for me to start going. And I started going on implants right away. And was that then practice he sold implants already. No, he was referring all of them to a periodontist who was an hour and a half away. And so I started doing implants for him. And I mean, I had missed, I had failures while I was oh, there, but who doesn't have failures? Right. And actually that ended up being one of the reasons why he let me go was because I was having trouble with implants and he didn't recognize that, Hey, it's my first 15 implants. You're going to have failures. And he didn't recognize that. And he wasn't willing to have that failure rate in his office, which I can when understand on the one rate, hand. What do you mean by that? Like my first implant completely failed and completely for completely expected reasons. When I look back on it, it was an immediate implant on either number eight or nine. And I shouldn't have done that when I should have grafted it and left it because I didn't have enough buckle plate, but I didn't recognize that on my very first implant for an immediate implant. What I had another you, what one. Make, what's in your mindset that makes you think that you should do that case? Look, because you said it yourself, retrospectively, I shouldn't have done that. Because he asked me to do it. Okay. And so if and he didn't ask you to do it, would you have tried it, you think? Probably not. If I hadn't have had, because it, it's one that was just not, it was outside of what I had even trained for at that point, where, like, completely honest, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. Yeah, but and, that's how you learn. And look how much you've learned from that. Right. Yeah. You learn from those mistakes, and he wasn't willing for me to learn on his dime. And I understand that. And that's something I've complained about quite a bit online, is about how I'm not a residency program. Right. Right. You're not. And I understand that. And... I mean, now I'm doing like I'm doing more implants here with my own patients, but I am more conservative with them. I didn't have a comb beam available to me in Kansas unless I was sending them an hour and a half away, right, which is not. And right. It, it was that was the hardest part about getting an implant. So I did several implants where I didn't have comb beam. So and yeah, I, I would never do that again. Comb beam and didn't come with your practice. No, I have not bought a comb beam. My dad has a comb beam. Okay. He's the orthodontist and he's two blocks away. So you just send your patients there to get the x-ray. Right. I got you. Okay. Yeah. All right. How, so, what keeps you from buying a cone beam? At this point, money. Money. Okay. All right. That's money, money, and then also because I've been making so many changes with this office, I'm just still, I'm doing a lot of treatment, but I'm still trying to bring the mindset from from what you said is the 1980s and 1990s mindset. The, with the every, patients or the team? The team. Okay. The team is are the team is the team a holdover from the original practices. I have an assist my my main assistant and one of my hygienists are a holdover from one of the practices. My receptionist is she's been in dentistry, and the office manager for the practice that I bought was the wife of the dentist. And so when he left, she left, and so my dad let me hire one of his assistants who'd been wanting to get into the front office which I've realized since then might not have been the best idea because she hasn't had any type of front office training. But what she does do well is she sells cases. She's a great salesperson, but she still has this idea of everything has to be done with insurance. If someone's going to have a higher copay, we have to figure out a way to make it less expensive for them. And so that's a mindset that I've been having a really hard time overcoming. It's been really hard getting her to be okay presenting treatment where Oh, they're going to do payments and they have to make a down payment before they start. It's a lot of mindset things that I've been successful in making incremental changes, 
my biggest frustration is it's not going as fast as I want. And I look at, I look at other practices that I see and hear, like I hear about your practice yeah. as I listen to your podcast and I think, why can't I be there? And then I have to remind myself, years in. <laughs> I mean, right. And it took you what, five years before you even started taking PPOs and, it took and me then two, that was a whole two years before I started taking insurance. It took me. So I started in 2000. It took 2002. We started taking insurance. 2005, I start. I did my first non-restorative procedure. Um, 2000, <laughs> 2008 or nine, I placed my first dental implant. So you know, I mean, so is this common that uh, I find that this is common where people see that the grass is greener on the other side, or and or they want it really fast. Right, and it's something that my wife has actually been really good for because. It's something that my wife has been really good for because she says, no, we have to be okay with we're not there yet. It's okay that we're not completely at this huge practice that you want. You have I, I to grow. You lie, have to make quite, changes. Quite frankly, I think a lot of people lie. Do you lie? Well, it depends. I lie about certain things, I'm sure. Ask my wife. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't lie about my practice very much at all because um, based on my position that's trying to educate me. Trying to help people, inspire people to do better. Sure, I don't. Maybe I don't share as many massive failures or massive areas where I'm struggling as much as I probably would like to or should. Uh, but no, I, I don't, certainly don't lie about numbers and things like that. And and I'm very open about sharing where I want to get to. But like, so so while we're on that subject, so what what is your biggest hurdle then? Is it the team? Uh, it's the team. I think it's the team, and that's not so much a negative. It's Really, it's not the team. It's me. The biggest hurdle is me because I have this. So I'm going to send you my psychiatry bill pretty soon, okay? <laughs> no, I don't need that because I already have one. No, I, I live um, with one. Yours is half of everything, right? Yeah. No, no. Mine's 100% uh, of everything. Oh, got it. Um, she at least lets you eat. Very much. A lot, actually. <laughs> so my struggle is I have these huge ideas of where I want to go and nobody else understands what they are. And I don't know how to translate them to share that vision. And what I found is what I need to do is that's my weakness. I was trained to do fillings and crowns and bridges and implants and root canals and, and extractions. I wasn't trained, even though I like to say, even though I like to tell people I got a degree in business for my undergrad, which I did, what I've learned is that doesn't really translate very well to communicating things because I've learned very well. That's not how a degree to, in people. No, it's not. And I don't have a degree in people. I'm horrible at people. And so what I've done is I've, I've gone and I started out with an executive coach several back in January ish. The first one didn't work out at, at all for me. We weren't going in the right direction for what I was looking for. And then I, I went to the townie meeting and I actually saw you speaking, but walked to the next one because you were doing your, Why you were talking you? about, because I'd already heard what you were saying. You, you were doing your, don't do fillings and crowns. I know, but I've already heard no, most you. of that. I get, I get it. And I just felt like offending you right now. So I did. No, um, I, I appreciate that. That's good though. <laughs> so I, I went to the townie meeting and while I was there, I got to talk to Bruce Baird and Vicki McManus, and they got me signed up with their um, Productive Dentist Academy. And so I've signed up with a coach from there. And in a month and a half of doing that, I've been able to actually see some visible change in how the office is running and how it's, it's moving. And we're able to move forward to other things and figure out how to grow this. 
where the coach understands what my goals are and they've worked with people doing that and they, they're able to help me out with, Hey, this is how you can have those conversations. This is, these are some ways not to have those conversations because they're just self-destructive type of a deal. That's good. So would you say that your practice is successful? Yeah, it's successful. I mean, it's not as successful as I want it to be. And this is where, where it's like, I have to, I have to be okay with incremental change. But am I successful? Yeah, I'm making money. I'm seeing patients. We're growing. Are you doing the type of dentistry you want to do? Not yet. Define that. I mean, you're doing dental implants. What are you missing that you don't want to do? I mean, not that you don't want to do that. What are you not doing that you want to do? I want all of my implants to be guided. I'm not doing them guided. Well, what's holding you back? You have access to a cone beam. Primarily because I don't have, I don't know how to go from, if I had a digital scanner, I could very easily correlate the scan to the cone beam, but I don't have a digital scanner and I don't know. You can do it through third party using models. And I haven't gotten into that. I haven't looked into that because I have this, I have in my own mind, I want to do it completely with a digital workflow instead of having to take impressions. And quite frankly, I keep forgetting to take impressions because not everybody wants to do the implant and they'll call, you know, a month later and say, Hey, yeah, let's actually do this implant. And so we get them scheduled and I never have an impression. So, I mean, again, it comes back to what is it that I'm setting up as my system and I, I haven't set that up appropriately. Okay. So, I mean, digital impressioning is anywhere from twenty dollars to $40,000 to get into. You have access to a cone beam, it sounds like, to your dad. So, maybe buying that right away doesn't make a lot of sense. What else are you missing that you want to do in your practice? You know, when you force me to think about it, I'm doing most everything I want to do okay. for right now. I'd like to be doing less of, say, the doing fillings. Okay. Okay. And, and but that's something that I'm willing to say is is on a five year plan yeah, to where sure. I can bring in I can bring in an associate. I don't want to do the I'm a solo dentist for the rest of my life. Okay. The things that I want to do that I'm not doing aren't necessarily a clinical thing. It's more of a business thing. However, I'm not doing as much cosmetic type work where I've got cam I have a DSLR camera. I don't use it very much at all, but when I do it seems like every time I pull the camera out, someone wants to do more, but I haven't been pulling it out much. So why, why, so why do you have to pull it out? Why don't you teach your team to do it? And that's the biggest problem is that I have one camera. I've actually been looking the last weekend at a couple of different other cameras that aren't this full-size DSLR, sure. where like Blue Sky Bio has their Olympus camera. It's a point-and-shoot, or there is something that I found on the Dental Hacks Nation Facebook I mean, page. The iPhone works, too. Yeah, it does. I'm also working on getting, I've got the TVs sitting in my storage area to put on the ceiling and on the wall so I can take pictures. And I literally just today figured out how to put them, connect them to the computer so I can just load the picture onto the computer and then put it right onto the screen so the patients can be staring at it during their hygiene appointment. Now, in theory, you could also do that using an iPad, for example, right? You could take a picture and have like an iFi card automatically transfer that to a not necessarily an iPad, but even a Kindle Fire, a $60 tablet. Right. And like that's why I have an iPad that I'm talking to you on is that I sold the idea of getting the iPad to my wife saying, I'm going to use a camera and the iPad and put it in front of patients. And the hard part with that was my hygienists don't know how to use them. And 
they're at this point overwhelmed with the changes that I've made okay. of having them take x-rays every time or probe every time. And I want to actually come in and they're, see the they're patient. They were probably freaked out when you brought them a probe to begin with. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I was somewhat joking, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. All right. So what, what's working out very well for you in your practice? I mean, what are you proud of? What are you happy with? I'm really happy that I started doing payment plans. Okay, good. We're, we're, I, and I'm actually something that this is totally nerdy, but I switched us over to open dental right away because they were on, one was on easy dental, which is yeah. Dentrix light. That's old Dentrix. Yeah. Dentrix light. Yeah. And then the other was on Dentrix, but they weren't using it for anything except for their schedule. I had been using Open Dental in Kansas. I knew Open Dental. And instead of trying to teach everybody a new system and me a new system, I said, you're just all going to learn the one that I know and we're going to do it. And it's been great because I can dig in. I can set up payment plans. Doing Open Dental led me directly into doing payment plans because you can do it automatically with Open Dental. And I've really enjoyed doing that because it, it has allowed a lot of people to do dentistry that they wouldn't have done. I've, I've had several people that needed even just like three crowns where they're not able to do that on their own. But with the payment plan, I'm able to do that over six months. And you're doing and that hate- similar to what, what I talk about in the podcast is we're automated with credit card on file. You take a down payment and you let them do three or six months or something along that line. Right. And I do up to six months myself. I'm not willing to do 12. Yeah. If they want that, I have them do care credit. Yeah. And I, I've got, I've dropped back from doing the 12 and just gone to three and six months. 12 months is a little too long. Uh, minus ortho cases. Ortho cases, I'm comfortable doing 12 months on. Well, yeah, because they're stuck with you. For the most part, they're stuck with me or someone in the practice, certainly. All right. Right. What I do want to do is as I grow and I start doing more of the type of stuff you're doing is but start what is using. What I'm doing? Well, what you talk about doing, where you have, you are doing the bigger cases where you're saying you're doing a case fee instead of yes. a procedure fee, that type of stuff, where you're the senior doctor, you're doing the more complex cases, you're doing the six and seven implant cases, the hybrids. That's not stuff that most people are able to pay for out of pocket. And so what I'm assuming you're doing is, is you're either having people that come in and they can do it in six months, or it's more likely someone that they're going to do it with care credit or some other third party financing group. And what I'd like to do is move it over to what, to the compassionate finance thing where I'm the bank. bank, Right. I like that idea a whole lot better because I hate paying 10% to care credit. But 10% is better than paying, than getting nothing. That is true, but it still bites me that I'm paying for their interest. Essentially, I could be earning the interest myself. Sure. And that's a business thing for me. No, I, I get it. I mean, I, I ter- certainly understand. I, I would tell you that I, I <clears throat> what I have found is that practices that are using some third-party financing, whether it's Care Credit, Springstone, whether it's Compassionate, whatever it is, the, as that number goes up, the practice is going up along with it. Uh, so I think, um, yes, it's 10%. And yes, at the end of the day, it, it does suck a little bit. But um, what it does do also is it does teach your team members – to present bigger cases, to go ahead and get in that mindset. Uh, and then when you make this, if you make the change over to something where you're becoming the bank, it's a, a little bit easier than not. Right. Yeah. And and the first step to that, honestly, is I need to use my camera more. Yeah. So what can I do to help you use your camera more? Uh, tell me what's going to be the best one for my staff to use. It's not going to be as complex as the DSLR. 
Okay, so do you want, uh, well, so I, I'm not familiar with a lot of these small point and shoots like the Blue Sky Bio camera. I mean, I've never seen it. Uh, the Dyne camera, the Photomed camera. I'm familiar with the Photomed camera. So, look, I'm very biased in the sense that um, I think a camera is so important, like so important that creating paralysis by trying to save three, four hundred bucks is silly. So, to me, what I would recommend is, uh, for example, First and foremost, I recommend a full-size DSLR, but I get that not every practice nor every team member is going to be comfortable with that. Uh, secondarily, I would recommend the Shofu camera. It's very nice. It's easy to set up. It is a dental camera, so therefore it is dental cost. You know, it's a couple of thousand dollars, um, but it comes to you. It's ready to go. There's no figuring it out, any of those things. And certainly you pay for that, you know, and it's um, cleansable and, and all of those things. Uh, my third recommendation uh, on a more budget conscious level would be one of the diffuser cameras from Photomed. And simply because not that you can't put it together or do it yourself, a little bit less expensive, but uh, they give it to you ready to go and they service and support it. And uh, uh, certainly that's a great option. And then beyond and something like that, I, I want to say roughly is you know, $1,000 or so, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and then next beyond that would be like one of these point-and-shoot cameras that you can buy on Amazon or something. And and they're, they're not going to take very, very good dental pictures, but they're going to be better than nothing. And what I find is something is better than nothing. So in that situation, even just consider getting a lens for your phone, like an mm-hmm. Olo clip, O-L-L-O clip. They're like 50, 60 bucks. You can clip onto your phone and make it a macro lens. Not like a DSLR macro lens, but certainly better than nothing macro lens. Um, but I, I would say what I'm hearing from you, and again, I don't know you that well, Nathan, but what I'm hearing from you is is that you're overthinking this a lot. Probably. So just just get something. Buy one and, and get going. Prove that it works. Then buy a second one. Ultimately, I want to see one in every operatory. A camera in every operatory. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, Mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www3 3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. 
Now, back to this week's episode. Yeah, yeah. No, and I'd like to have that too because there are a lot of, like I did my implant today where I ended up doing some bone grafting around it. And I thought it was a great look. I thought it was really cool of something that'd be good to to go so, show to my surgeon and say, hey, this is what I did. What would you do differently? Yeah, from a learning but perspective, did, absolutely. Yeah, and I didn't, but I didn't have my camera there and I'm already gloved up and everything and I didn't want to, and since it wasn't grafting that I was expecting to do, I was running behind already. So I, I didn't want to take the two minutes it would take to go and get the camera set but up. But you got to change that mindset because... Oh, I know I because, did. No, I know you know, but you, I got to figure out how to make you do it because... Yeah. Because, because that's what got me where I'm at is that absolute dedication to being, you know, running behind or scheduling differently or being focused on the big picture or the future picture and not so much on the current picture, willing to make a little bit less or willing to be a little bit slower or progress a little bit slower than my so-called colleagues. Uh, that allowed me to to get to a point where I was doing things and and learning and educating myself. And so what, what have you done in terms of case presentation and treatment planning and, and communication uh, training? Uh, I've been reading, uh, what was the book that you recommended? Oh, Paul Homley's um, book? Yeah, Paul Homley's book. I've been reading that. And what do you think of it so far? So far, I think it's really good. I started, I, I recognize he talks about the red and the blue spectrum of like logic and emotion. I forget which one was which. And I realized that all I do was sit and talk about the technical stuff, technical, technical, technical. And as soon as I started, as soon as I read that chapter, it was, oh, let's go back and forth between the emotional to the technical and the emotional to the logical. Or That's what it was, logical, emotional, logical, emotional, logical. And by doing that, I walked in and like the next week I sold two uh, cosmetic rehabs. Okay, so and, so you're seeing, and the so that was there. fun. So we just bought. I just bought a copy of that book for every team member, mm -hmm. and uh, I also downloaded uh, for ten bucks. You can download at one of his six-hour lecture programs. That's pretty good as well from his website. So you should consider doing that as well for ten dollars. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great investment. That way you can listen to it. It doesn't sound like you have a very far commute, but <laughs> you can listen to it in the the throne in the morning time. I actually was disappointed the other day. School just got out, and I got to work fast enough that all I heard on the radio was the commercial break. Wow. Just one commercial break. That's it. My commute is five minutes. That's un Well, that's not good for podcasting for people like me, but... So, okay, so what are your goals? What, what, are, you, what are your short-term goals? What do you need to accomplish in, say, a year from now? Where, where would you like to be, or what would you like to be seeing different in your practice? In the next year, I want to have, right now I have one and a half hygienists. I've got six days of hygiene, okay. working how many days four actual open? days, four days. Four days, okay. Four days, eight to five. In the next year, I want to open that up to five days and have hygiene running all five days, two of them, and get to the point where I'm able to bring in an associate. Okay, so what do you got to do to get your hygiene to 10 days of hygiene from six days? I need to first do much better with getting my patients to schedule their to pre-schedule their hygiene. Okay, so where's the so where's the fall off there? Are the hygienists not asking? Are you not encourage them to do it? Oh, uh, we just we would let people just walk out the door, and I I would find out about this much much later. 
Are you tracking that in any way? I am now. Okay. I am now, but that's something that was just started up when the coach came in from from Productive Dentist Academy. So what are you guys using, like Dental Intel or something similar? Yeah, Dental Intel. Okay. And one of the things that we but found you pay, was like, that my bucks for a month for that. Uh, it comes with the Your PDA. Okay. It comes with PDA. Okay, I got you. Which is not four hundred bucks a month. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure of that. But like one of the things that I found was that the my receptionist wasn't comfortable if someone came out and they needed a filling or a crown or any type of restorative work out of the hygiene appointment she didn't feel comfortable scheduling more than a single appointment for them and so she would schedule the fillings and then make a note of the next appointment oh let's get the hygiene appointment filled or let's schedule the hygiene appointment when they come in for their fillings but then that would get dropped that would fall off and it wasn't really a priority so that's now become a priority where She's scheduling for every single patient. She's scheduling another hygiene appointment six months out or three months out, whatever it is. So she's gotten and, much better. Yeah. And then that's good. To, and then today, my four day a week hygienist, I talked to her and said, I need you to start doing your own scheduling. And, and she did that. She did every single patient today. And I've asked my hygienist to start handing out cards and asking for referrals from at least two patients a day. And so they've started doing that. That's the first step of internal marketing for me, of getting people to where they're going to going to start referring better. Uh, how, are and, you, um, how are you motivating your team? Are you giving them any financial incentives? Yeah, we have we have a collection bonus after we reach a certain threshold, uh, and for our office it's seventy five thousand dollars. Anything above that in collections, then for every full thousand dollars after that, they get. The team splits 10% of anything above that. Okay. All right. So that's fair enough. So about 10%. Okay. All right. So let me ask you this. Um, one of the things that we've done, not tell, let me tell, share this with you, not ask you this. One of the things that we've done this year is each month I've had a separate target, a goal for the team. Mm-hmm. And so like, and I don't make it a monetary uh, reward. I make it a luxury reward, like a pedicure or a massage or you know, a night, a dinner out for everybody or something like that, uh, where we're doing like test video testimonials or we're doing Google reviews and, uh, or Facebook reviews or something along those lines. And what I found is surprisingly they're, they're, they're very excited by that. And we've seen like so far this month, we're at six more Google reviews than we started with at the month. And so their goal is to get 10 or 15 this month. I can't remember exactly which one it is. And, uh, so, so to me, you know, that's costing me 300 bucks this month if they hit that goal. Last month it was, I wanted 10 video testimonials. So, um, you know, and that cost me a pedicure, which is like 35 bucks for 10 people mm-hmm. included. So plus me and the other doctor. So 11, 11, 12 people, uh, plus my wife. Uh, so, so 13 people <laughs> plus my daughter. So 14 people. Um, so 14 of us went to get pedicure. And, and the side benefit so, of that also is that we're all together and we do that together as well. Right. You got a pedicure? Yeah. I get one all the time. I get pedicures and manicures. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm very comfortable in my skin, I should say. <laughs> I mean, I never grew up with that. That's another thing that my wife has, uh, introduced me to. So, uh, but, uh, I think those are relatively inexpensive ways. To motivate your team, to give them a little something, and to be able to get something greater in return uh, that would be very helpful for your practice, ultimately. Uh, in terms of video testimonials, I spent two months trying to figure out the best way to get them, like the equipment and all of that. And then, 
Yeah, honestly, I bought a $20 tripod. I bought a, a little holder that holds my, a, my old iPhone 6. That was $10. The tripod was 20 bucks. And then I bought a, a $50 Rode, R-O-D-E shotgun microphone that just plugs right into my iPhone. And so basically for a hundred bucks, you know, I've got an on-demand video testimonial machine uh, with one of my old phones. So that way there's... Where do you post that? I I will. I will. I will uh, take a picture of it today uh, and post that on the... What what are you in? Dental Hacks Nation probably? Yeah, I'm on Dental Hacks Nation. Yeah, so I'll post it in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hundred bucks and uh, that way there's no excuse. One of my things that drives me nuts is, and it's probably happening to you as well, is you have all these ideas and the plans and you're willing to execute them and they don't happen. And ultimately it's about excuses that people give us or we give ourselves even. And so I took the excuses away. I got a dead, you know, because at one time it was, oh, just grab my phone, use my phone or use my iPad and then my iPad, I left it at home or my phone was at, you know, I needed it or it rang or something like that. So I just said, you know what, I need a dedicated device for this. And you know, I'm Indian, so I'm relatively uh, frugal. So I wanted to just use my old iPhone 6. And um, it works great. It's worked out very nicely, and it's quite easy uh, to do. And all this stuff can be gotten on Amazon. And uh, I don't know if you guys have Amazon Prime in your area, but everything can get delivered in a couple of hours. So um, so where do you put the video testimonials once they're done? Well, that's the next step. Okay, So I've collected them all. But ultimately, you would put them on YouTube, you'd put them on Facebook, you'd put them on your website. I mean, those are the three areas that I would look at. Uh, so I shouldn't say just Facebook, but social media uh, being YouTube. Uh, for me, Facebook, maybe for your generation, Instagram and things like that. Um, and then certainly your website, you know, just the simple things. I think ultimately we get, we hear these unbelievable ideas that somebody's doing. And what we fail to hear is that they started by doing something unbelievably simple to get to that unbelievable idea. And we can't go from zero to hero. We, we've got to, we've got to just start simply to begin with. So. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely hard for me. And I think that's hard for, I think that's one of the hardest things for my generation. Well, it's is hard that for we, everybody. Yeah. I mean, shoot, we live in the world of Amazon prime. It's here in two hours. Or an hour, so. But then we leave it in the box for three days before we actually open it. Yeah. And, but then you want me to wait six months for this bone graft and implant to heal before I get a tooth? Quite frankly, that's the reason why I do any bridges is because people don't want to wait for it. Yeah. Well, I I would also say that maybe, you know, look, I'm just being myself. You know, I would say that you should never do bridges, but uh, that that's just me. I convince people to do implants minus when it takes massive surgical work to get there. But, uh, right. But that, that's my belief system. So, uh, I, for, I'll, I'll literally let somebody walk away before I do a bridge on them. So, hmm. but that, that's just me. So just, you know, keep focusing on the things. It sounds like you're doing unbelievably well. You know, just, I, I would tell you, uh, that your mindset is very similar to mine and that you want it right away. You're easily influenced by other people. You're competitive in nature. Uh, you want what other people are doing. And you sometimes let it get to you a little bit. So, um, you know, just be, be, be proud and happy of what you have. Uh, so many people would rather be in your position than their position. You own your own practice. You control your own destiny. Um, so, you know, keep those things in mind. But 
always uh, keep eye on the long-term plan. And your long-term vision is to get to 10 days of hygiene, to have an associate, to do more of the dentistry that you would like to do. It sounds like the, some bit what we call bigger cases and things like that. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to do things in the short term to allow you to survive. But part of the short-term plan also has to be things that um, also support the long-term vision as well. Otherwise, the short-term takes over and long-term never comes around. Yeah. At least I've, I've gotten in uh, those kind of issues myself. Yeah. So do you yeah. have any questions for me? Anything that you want to uh, make fun of me about or ask me about? Yeah, I'll make fun of you. Okay. You put on Facebook that you had when you got your wisdom teeth out and on that on the scan that you put up there, you've got a tooth that has a root canal and you don't have a crown on it. How is it I, you don't let yourself get a crown on your own tooth? Well, I have to be sedated to get my dentistry done and I got my root canal done by the endodontist and he, he did he was fortunate enough I got him I convinced him to do a composite build up for me and then I just haven't gone to get the crown done yet. So the, what are you going to do? The yet means uh, five years, by the way. So would you ever, what would you do if your patient walked in the door and you did a root canal on them five years ago and they still haven't done a crown? How much are you going to yell at them? I'm not going to yell at them at all. I'm going to say, I understand. I'm the same. I, I literally will tell them I'm the same way as them. <laughs> I totally get it. You know, I don't encourage okay. you to do that. Okay. I'll buy that. What about the, uh, you said you were going to get an implant put in for 18. Is that yes. right? Yes, I have to you, uh, wait six months for the uh, four to six months for the graft to integrate uh, and to turn over and everything. It wasn't a so good candidate for an immediate based on the amount of infection I had in that site. So, what do you think about doing that yourself? Like literally myself? Yeah, you're going to do it guided, right? Yeah, everything we do. Is, no, thank you. I got to be sedated. <laughs> I literally have to be sedated for all my dentistry, minus cleanings, and I can only get one arch cleaned at a time. You are a wuss. Yeah, I am. I absolutely. I can only get, uh, I can sit in the chair. And the, the cleaning part's not about being a wuss. It's I can't sit in the chair for more than maybe 15 minutes getting work done on me. Just because you're too anxious to want to get and do something else. No, I'm just ready to do something else. I got other things on my mind. You know, I'm running like three or four businesses. You know, I've got all kinds of stuff going on. I, I got, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, I'm that guy that's shaking his leg all the time or, or, you know, like, uh, just rocking, just ready to go do something. Okay. All right. So I've got three, like, actually substantial, okay, substantial questions for Damn you. Damn it. I was hoping that we were just going to make fun of me the whole time. No, it's fun, but I actually have real questions. So I'll give you all three, and then you can answer them in whatever order you want to go. Perfect. The first is, you talked about making the switch to Open Dental. Have you made that switch, and how has your team taken that, and how have you liked it? I have not made the switch to open dental at this point. I'm, a, I'm quite honest with you. I'm afraid to do it. I, you know, we have something that's working. We've been on EagleSoft for God knows 10 years now and um, more than 10 years, 10 or 11, 12 years. I don't know how long it's been now. And so I'm, I'm just petrified to make a switch and then make a switch and have a program that's not necessarily perfect. Or that doesn't answer all the things I want to answer, uh, all the shortcomings. I, I think that most softwares are imperfect or lack significant modern features because they probably cater to the 80% and I'm not the 80%. So what are the things that you're wanting? 
Uh, what are the deficiencies in because e- you're on EagleSoft, right? Right. I would say, generally speaking, I, I don't understand why I can't treatment plan on an iPad, uh, why I can't have signatures on an iPad directly into the software. Uh, I don't understand why I can't take Apple Pay or take credit card swipes on an iPad. When I said iPad, I mean any tablet whatsoever. Any tablet, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't understand why my team member can't have a tablet in their pocket. And essentially, you know, look, today's modern tablets are as powerful, if not more powerful than computers from five years ago. And oh, yeah. g- general practice management software, take away uh, major imaging, like 3D imaging, essentially, a tablet is more than powerful enough to run those things. Uh, so to me, it's unacceptable that I have any paper in the practice. Uh, it's unacceptable. Not any paper, but you, you know what I mean. That the patients right. have to fill these things out, or that I have to go to third party after third party after third party to make some of these things happen. I think a tablet should be a hub uh, of communicating to each other, of taking photographs with it, of taking payment with it, of treatment planning with it, of printing from it, from having patients sign it. Uh, from taking social media pictures and automatically uploading them to social media. I, I, I just don't understand why 80% of our practice doesn't run on a tablet of some sort. So you can do that on Open Dental. There's a, there's a lady on the Open Dental users Facebook page that she was showing me how she set up an office actually out here in Loma Linda where all they have is tablets. They don't have a front office. They just have tablets, and they take payment right there in the room. With a real tablet or like a computer tablet? Like a Windows Surface Pro. Okay, so that's a computer. And that, quite honestly, that's a software thing where I was actually talking to Open Dental about this. They don't consider an iPad to be a professional level. It's not a professional device. It's still a consumer device no i get it i get it so the surface pro for example is a it's 10 inches you can't carry that in your pocket (laughs) right so uh and you know that's my issue with it ultimately is is a surface tablet certainly i could run eagles off on a surface pro or lenovo yoga book or something like that yeah but i'm talking about a true like an ipad mini or kindle fire one of these deals that you can keep in your pocket and pop out and, and do things with Right. Well, I mean, some of the other problems with doing it on tablets is that they don't have USB hookups for your for your sensors. They no, don't no, I, have absolutely no, no. I I want to have computers for all that stuff. The imaging. Okay. I get it. The imaging is the issue. Okay. I'm talking. About, you just but, want you just want someone to be able to walk up like in the Apple Store and make a sale. Yeah, absolutely. But more than that, treatment planning. Look up their chart. I mean, at the end of the day, capturing images is what percentage of what we do in the practice every day. Not much. Not much. Right. So why are we limiting everything we do on something that literally is, is represents 5% of what we do all day long? It makes no sense to me. Let me have computers for that, okay? Let, I'm happy to have computers for that. But my day-to-day practice management needs to be on a tablet of some sort. So th- that's why I haven't made a switch yet. One day, it'll happen. Got it. That's question right, number so one. Number two. What would you change in your current office? You've got a... Big 10,000 square foot office that a lot of that is your education center. Yeah. But what would you change about it? So let's break down my office. So we have 10,000 square feet. Uh, The dental practice is about 4,000 square feet. Uh, My training center is about 2,000 to 2,100 square feet. And then my wife's medical practice is going to be about 3,500 square feet. Okay. Okay, So so that's, that's the makeup of our building. 
Uh, what would I change now? I would like more space to expand our education side of things. Uh, but that's not realistic for most dentists listening. Uh, so what I would say I would change, uh, I would change, I, I want a third dentist so I can say no to doing any restorative dentistry whatsoever. I, I think that's the big thing for me. Uh, I would also like to have a dedicated person to marketing because I think our practice can still grow significantly. I think we're not nearly capitalizing on the opportunities. I should be doing more implants than I'm doing. I should be doing more sleep appliances I should be doing. You know, we're doing basically the numbers we do with very minimal external marketing. No social media marketing, no Google SEO marketing, no pay-per-clicks. We're not doing any of that stuff that we can get to do. So I think those are the areas I would like to see better in my practice. Got it. And so when are you going to make those changes? You know, it's interesting. I'm working on hiring a part-time marketing person, a virtual marketing assistant, to handle a lot of those things for me. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, we're at a point now where I don't want any more human beings in the practice. We're running out of parking. We don't have places for people to sit, you know, team members-wise. And I believe the future is going to be learning to insource by outsourcing. Because at the end of the day, one of your challenges I'm hearing from you is is team, right? And your team right. is somewhat limited because of the size and location of where you live. Uh, so I think we'll I think we'll reach a time where our front office may not even be in the be in our office at all. Well, I'm in the process of outsourcing all of my billing. Yeah, so to, that's a good one, right? So that's yeah. one that you know can certainly be outsourced, insourced, outsourced. You know, I don't believe in outsourcing to a random like team of people that are doing it. Uh, I, I believe in outsourcing to a, a dedicated person, whether that person's full-time or part-time. I want my own person that's available to me on demand as I need it. Right. So I, I don't mind that person. More like, let's consider more like remote workers versus traditional outsourcing. Right. And I'm not at that point. I mean, my big goal at some point is to have more than one office. I don't know if it'll get there, but at that point would be, I have all my offices that are running on one billing center that's a separate location. I've tossed around the ideas of doing that. I just, I think that time has passed me, to be quite honest with you. I think I'm too focused on my education business and my training and my work. I, you know, I actually, uh, I'm trying to uh, open a nonprofit dental, dental clinic in the next two years. Uh, so a nonprofit dental clinic in a couple of years. So that's important to me as well. So we'll see. I need to raise about raise or self fund about two and a half million dollars to do it. So oh, that's not a lot. No, well, I mean, I want to buy the building, and you know, I want to build it out, and I want to build it better than most modern practices. I want it to have the best equipment, the best materials, the best technology. Uh, I don't want it to be a um, bare bones uh, type of scenario. I, I don't think just because you do charity or low-end, low-fee work that it should be any less than uh, the best. So we'll see. Hopefully I can leverage some of my uh, contacts and political capital to get uh, a lot of that uh, taken care of. But we'll see. Cool. And how about my last question Absolutely. for you? So you've only got five operatories, right? That's not completely true. We have six, but yeah. So my question is, you've got two doctors in there. How often do you have both you and the other doctor in the office? Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and some Thursdays. 
starting so starting September first or August first. I think it's August first. We'll be he'll be there five days a week. He'll be there Mondays as well with me. We'll have three days of overlap. So when you say technically six, are you not using the sixth or so we have one like, operatory dedicated to uh, consultations and limited exams? Okay, and we have we have five treatment rooms. Okay, three for doctors, two for hygienists, and then we have a consultation operatory. So how do you run that one? How do you have enough patients coming through with only two hygienists for two doctors? And how many patients do I need to see? Great question. I don't know. I mean, the answer is relatively, I don't want to say simple, but uh, let's say, for example, my goal every month is, uh, I think it's, I personally want to produce, let's say, 75 grand every month, okay? So if I want to produce 75 grand, how many patients do I need to see to do that? I can do that in four or five patients a day. True. So how many patients do I need to see? So I work out of one operatory. And I've always been, I mean, I've always worked out of one and a half, one and a half maximum operatories. Mm-hmm. I don't double book. I don't double see patients from a restorative work clinical side of things. I essentially work out of one room. My associate essentially works out of one room. And we have one overflow that we both share. And then you have the other one for... There's just consults. Emergent. No, right. it's, just, it's just... We can't even do dentistry in there. It's literally an impression operatory or digital impression operatory. We do our sleep consults, our Invisalign consults. We do our, you know, regular patients that come in for consultations, our sedation consultations, our follow-up treatment plan consultations, and things like that in that operatory. It's not a full fun. I mean, that operatory literally only has a suction and air water syringe in it. So we couldn't do dentistry in there if we wanted to. Got it. Well, I guess you could do an extraction. Uh, Yeah, but if you had to pull out a handpiece, you'd be in trouble. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, that would be a, that would be a challenge there. So, so again, it's a, and we are a traditional PPO practice. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different business model. It's, I don't know if it's by design or by choice or by luck or by smarts. I mean, I don't know what it is, but we have 10 days of hygiene. We easily support two doctors and we do it out of, let's call it six operatories. Yeah. And we have yeah, and, 19 and, numbers, I think. And my my thing is, like, I'm running on four ops, and I'm just trying to figure out how is that I can run efficiently with just four, because there are times when I feel like four isn't enough. Four isn't enough. All the basic studies will tell you that you need five operatories. Five operatories. I believe five operatories is enough to run two dentists. Mm. In my business model, it is. Right. And, and just uh, food for thought also on this is, you only utilize your office 20% of the time it's available. Right. I mean, because you're open eight to five, four days a week, right? You might even be 15%. Right. And I mean, what I'd like to be is about 50% of the time. If it's daylight, let's have someone in here. And so then, you know, those are the things that you have to do. And unfortunately, my opinion is, is you have to start that to make that happen. Like, for example, there's 168 hours a week uh, and you're using it 32 hours. So you're utilizing your office 19% of the time. Right. So I'm just on this kick that people don't need to expand their offices necessarily. They may need to choose to be in a better location from a visibility perspective. Or they may need to expand from a having bigger operatories to allow for the modern technology perspective. But I don't think people need 8, 10 operatory offices to run two doctors in their practice necessarily. 
I think you're better off. I think, for, at least for me, my first step would be how can I, uh, how can I change my practice style before I go and invest so much money in building a new place? Right, right. No, and I agree with that. I just I look at it and say, how can I run this a little bit better? Four is definitely smaller. I ran out of four operatories until 2008 or 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was how long? How long was that? I mean, from the time we opened until the time until 2008, 2009. So when did you start? I don't remember. 2000. That. Okay. We ran out of four and then, operatories. And then you. That's when you built your new office. This that's office, when we bought right? the building that we're in. And that was more about, I didn't need to move from my office. That was more about having space for a training center and mm-hmm. having a more of a real location. Got it. Being on the main street with a, um, with the sign and visibility. Right. And that's, that's what I want to do for my next move is I'm like back on a third degree street that like I had, I just hired a new girl. Her first day was today. When she came for an interview, she couldn't even find my office. You know, I, and I don't and, know how important that is in smaller towns. How big is Hemet? So, got to remember, this is California, where everything is big. But as far as population, like, we don't even make the map, and we've got 80,000 people. Okay. So, I mean, by California standards, that's not a very big town. Right. Yeah. But it, it's... like, But it's, that's big enough. Right. It's still big. But it's big it, it enough to where, like, you, you know, it's not like a rural town where everybody knows everybody. Right. And so, yeah, that that's where, yeah. I, and it's something that I still feel like, hey, I need to be in a, I want to be in a better location than where I am right now. Because it's not even easy to describe where it is. Well, here's what I'll tell you. And from this is from personal experience. A better location, a more visible location, a bigger location, a more... Beautiful location does not change team members. It does not change leadership and communication skills. It does not change the type of the the type of services that you're able to offer to your patients. So, um, you know, to me, those would be the core areas or core focus areas that I would encourage you to continue to grow on before we move. You know, before we try to do any of that stuff. And it sounds like you got a good head on your shoulder about that anyway. So make sure you buy your tripod and your iPhone holder yeah, and your mic- shotgun microphone and give your team a good incentive to make it happen. And let's see what happens. You'll be shocked. I, at least my team likes pedicures. So, you know, they really worked hard for it and I'm happy to do it for them. I like that. I like the idea of incentivizing outside of money because... Yeah, not everything can be about money. I mean, I, I just... Right. I just I I personally don't believe in that either, and it's very easy for me to say that when you don't worry about paying your bills and things like that. You know, uh, I get it. Right. My my team, some of my team members that have good relationships with me, they have to remind me that I've lost touch with reality a little bit. Yeah, because while you're well, if you're following your own rules, you're putting away twenty grand a month. Yeah. Well, eighteen grand a month at this point, and that's more than most people make in six months in the country. Yeah. So. Right. So, I mean, I've lost touch with reality in many ways. So, um, but again, all those things came with time, perseverance, dedication, one eye on the short term goal of what it takes to survive, but yet still having one eye on the long term goal of what it takes to thrive 
and have the practice lifestyle that I want. And um, so, you know, I, I don't want to say we've we've made it or we've achieved it, but uh, we're certainly in a much happier place today than we were two and a half years ago. So, I mean, unbelievably happier place than today than we are two and a half years ago. I've got an associate that I love that services the practice, that takes care of patients, that does good dentistry, that's committed to long-term thinking. Um, he's a pleasure to be around. He's mature. I'm very fortunate right now. But, you know, you've got to kiss a few frogs before you get there. And, and the same thing in your practice as well. And, and, you know, you had mentioned in some of the other podcasts that you've changed I think you said you only have two people working there that, that were there two years ago. Two years ago, we have one, two, let's go three years ago. I have only two people. Why'd you make all those changes? Uh, 2014 at the time was one of my best years ever, but it was, uh, it was too much short-term vision and not enough long-term vision. I had gotten away from the things that, that I wanted to be in the future. And uh, so I needed to make changes. Were those hard changes for you? Oh, absolutely. There, I had some people that left that I'd never wanted to leave. Uh, that hurt. I had to let people go that that were needed to let go. And um, I had to persevere through patients saying, God, there's lots of new people here. I had to persevere through feeling that I was absolutely cuckoo, which I know is true. But, um, huh? you know, at some point you doubt yourself. Are you the problem? You know, it can't be that everybody around you is wrong or not right. I had to introspectively look at myself and and uh, be committed. I had to take a I had to take a practice cut uh, or a pay cut. I had to go through turnover of people uh, because you know when you get rid of somebody, you know it sounds like you make the right hire, but you just don't know until you get there, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you find out after three, six months, sometimes nine months, sometimes even a year, that it's not the right fit. So it's 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 a never ending saga. <laughs> it's it's not even it's I mean it's a saga. I mean it's it's unbelievable. Like today I walked into the office, hey, I was tired. I've been working, you know, six days straight of speaking and teaching and uh, you know, it's it was it was tough and then you know, I get in the office and nobody has any energy and, and it disgusted me a little bit. And But I bit my tongue and didn't say anything because if I'm not bringing it, I can't expect them to bring it. Yeah. So. And that's been the hardest thing for me where before I could always kind of point at whoever my boss was and say, oh, well, you're, you're not being a very good leader today. Why should I be happy? And now if I show up, oh, crap, I've got to be happy. Yeah, you've got to be that person. That's why you got to take happy pills every day, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sort of like I don't cocaine even drink, on the way to work. I don't even drink coffee, dude. Neither do I. I don't do coffee or caffeine. So, I mean, uh, so I get it. I get it. Well, Nathan, I want to... Do you go by Nate or Nathan? Nathan? Nathan. My cousin is Nate. Nate Dog and the G-Child? Or <laughs> Nate or something else? That might be before your time. 2014 graduate Nathan Jurgensen... Uh, it's nathan.jurgensen.dmd at gmail.com. Uh, you're mm-hmm. also on Facebook. Yep. You're in the Dental Hacks Nation uh, Facebook group. And I want to thank you, Nathan, for being on and opening yourself and being very honest about the goods and bads of your practice. It was very refreshing to hear that. I really enjoyed it. So uh, thank you very much for being on. 
You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.